Welcome to Highways and Hedges. We are a podcast for the ministry Agros, and Agros exists to find, train, and support local pastors in Northeast Kansas and Northwest Missouri. I'm here with Joe. Hey, I'm and, Joe. And I'm Will. So, uh, a couple house cleaning, housekeeping, house cleaning, house, cleaning, <laughs> house stuff that we need to take Was care that a of. Freudian slip? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have some house cleaning to do? I right have now? some house cleaning. To, so we're gonna pause the podcast right now. I'm gonna go clean my house. Then we're gonna come back here and try this again. Now, um, let's see. If you want to leave us feedback, um, if you appreciate what we're doing, or um, we would love suggestions of topics that you want us to cover or things that, oh, this episode was really interesting. We want to hear more of that. Um, I know I personally would love to hear more pastor interviews. Um, if you want to be interviewed and you're a pastor or just want to be interviewed, um, <laughs> maybe you're not a pastor. Um, yeah. Send either Joe an email. Joe, what's your email address? It's Joe and Becca B at gmail.com. Joe is spelled J O E and Becca is spelled B E C C A. Joe and Becca B at gmail. Yeah, or you can email me, willanderson92 at gmail.com. Will is spelled with one L. Um, okay, so we got that. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Running for Weeks. Thank yes. you for the comment. Um, let's That's see. been a long time. Too, yeah. So this has been a long time in coming. Yes. We didn't really know how to bring it up because it started getting awkward. So we finally decided we would just say thank you now, Running for Weeks, for commenting so long ago. What did yep. you say? They are very, uh, sorry, very good. He says, they are the kind of gentlemen to be shuffling every day. Thank you. Five-star review. Yeah, it's true. Every day we're shuffling. <laughs> that is very true. And then also from Shout out to Avery099, Joe Bridgman Fan Club, excellent and helpful conversations. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate and don't those. join that fan club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is it that's, not the Will Anderson fan club? That's sad. Wow. Well, hey, this will make you feel better. Shh, they misspelled my last name, so <laughs> it's not actually my fan club. It must be some other job. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. Um, that's fun. Okay, uh, anything else that we needed to get at? get house cleaned. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay. So our topic today is, um, about the workshop that you just had. So you just had an, uh, Agros workshop. Yeah. And this was the second one, right? Yeah. I wasn't, second. I wasn't able to make it to the first one. The first one was on hermeneutics uh-huh. and then this one was on sermon preparation. Yep. Um, so I was able to go to that. I thought it was great. So I'm, I'd like to get your feedback on how you think it went. So first of all, what was your goal with this workshop? Uh, it fits under the, the mission, um, training and supporting that I'm trying to do with Agros, both training future pastors or just lay, lay members of a church, um, to have more ministry skills. Um, So it fits under both of those. And the goal with the workshops is to uh, create a fellowship of pastors and churches in our area who take ministry, gospel ministry seriously. um, And so gather in that fellowship to train up other leaders, to hone their own ministry skills, but also to just encourage one another in the the fight that the gospel is. I remember you and I talked one time, this has been a long time ago now, but talked about gospel ministry being like a street fight. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I still like that picture because sometimes I get, uh, so 
self-absorbed and uh, discouraged in ministry that I just want to give up. And if I keep in mind a street fight, you're not really, if you're with your buddies in a street fight, you're not really obsessed or consumed with whether you hit people hard enough to be in the street fight. <laughs> you just keep swinging because we're all in a street fight together. Um, yeah. And it kind of gets me, I don't know, less keeps me from navel gazing and anyways i i want that also to be one of the parts of this fellowship is just recognizing it's easy in ministry for satan to cast doubt on what we're doing by making us feel like yeah just like what we do don't doesn't matter and so that's probably one of the more intangible things that i want to accomplish through these workshops is just help pastors who feel discouraged to remember what they're doing in these fundamentals like Bible interpretation and preparing a sermon, it matters a lot. So it's worth keep swinging, don't stop. Yeah, uh, those are those are the the goals in my in my mind. I don't know how well I communicated those on the day. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, what do you think? What do you think went well? Um, I think. Um, so I I think uh, I I haven't really reflected on this. So you texted me these questions ten minutes ago, and I was <laughs> driving. So <laughs> I was texting and driving, and um, so I I'll need to kind of process it more um, for my own sake. But for this, I'd say a couple of things that really encouraged me from the day were the diversity of men who came. Um, we had younger men with almost no ministry experience never preached a sermon all the way up to pastors with decades of service uh ministry experience and hundreds of sermons preached we had men who are lay elders in their church who work full-time jobs outside of ministry um like i know one uh, a couple of them were farmers um guys that work um computers, just a a very wide range of um, vocations that were represented there. Um, And also just long distance too. I was just really encouraged. There was some guys drove as far as three hours, some guys from three hours west, some guys drove from about two hours east. So I was encouraged to see that diversity because um, right now what I want Agros to recognize is that a lot of the this is just my assumption. I can't say this with confidence. Um, this is just kind of my gut that a lot of the churches in the small towns of our region won't be very like theologically, um, self-conscious maybe is what, how I'd say it. Like Mm -hmm. they're just theology maybe is just not that important to them or they don't, wouldn't really say they know what they believe. It's, it's more about, reaching out to the community and loving people and those kind of things. And if Agros started as a ministry that had really uh, strict um, theological guidelines or guardrails, I guess you'd say, um, that I think a lot of guys would be turned off or shut, like have the door shut in their face and would prevent us from um, building trust and love with other men who are truly advancing the gospel truly love christ and um could probably maybe grow in their doctrine and those kind of things yeah um but if all you do is tell people like i'm coming because you have bad doctrine i'm gonna fix it i feel like that's just arrogant and divisive but if you come saying i want to support and encourage the advance of the gospel here i think it's through that kind of relationship that 
all of us will grow in greater doctrinal understanding over time. That's So that's a goal, anyways, in Agros, is that I want to reach a, a diverse group because I really want to focus on this region. I don't yeah. want Agros to become a... Um, a tribe. Um, I, I really want it to serve the, the spread of the gospel into yeah. the small places of our region. So that's why I'm encouraged by diversity. Yeah. When we have diversity, that encourages me. Yeah. Um, I also think what went well, every guy I saw, including you, I know you left your wife and three kid, young kids at home for a whole Saturday. Yeah. Every guy I saw, I felt personally indebted to, they made a big sacrifice to be there because yeah. There were some who were vocational pastors, and not that they weren't sacrificing their time. They were, because Saturday is probably usually their day off. But I know guys that were still finishing up some of their work chores that morning and came to the workshop late because of that and then spent you know, the rest of their day working with me. So I was encouraged by that sacrifice, and not just that they were there, but I felt like, and you, you could probably gauge this too, I felt like the guys really bought into the training material, really engaged it for the pretty much the whole day. I mean, we were all really worn out, I think, by the end of the day. Yeah. But I thought it went really well that all the guys just like doubled down and worked hard on a Saturday, yeah. most of us, for eight hours. And that's that's hard to get anyone to commit to. That's not like a come get refreshed. It's more like, you know, come get exhausted, but hopefully your faith is strengthened by the time you spent with yeah. us. Yeah. So I see that as a a positive that came out of the day, just the the sacrifices that guys made. Um, And then one other thing that I really like about our gatherings, and a couple of guys have said this, actually I can think of two. One is the hands-on training. Like a lot of the guys like that it's not a lot of lecture, that it's more just like short teaching and then lots of practical working through a worksheet, trying to put it into practice instead of thinking about it more, just doing it more to learn. And then the other one being, since I'm keeping fellowship as one of the goals and not just let me get the best training I can to you guys. I really like when we stop and sing together yeah. and we stop and pray for one another. Yeah. I liked having those aspects in the day. It just reminds us we're not just academics trying to learn a topic. We're yeah. not just secular professionals honing a skill, yeah. but we're worshipers who are gathering, worshiping the same Lord and Savior yeah. and keeping that as a regular part of those trainings, I think is it's refreshing and keeps our, I think our hearts set where they need to be throughout the day. Those are a couple of things I think went well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. No, I I agree with all of that. Um, what would you do differently? Um, a couple of reflections I had afterward is that as much as I'm encouraged by guys driving that far, that's too far for some guys because I want, these we only did two workshops this summer and that's actually another thing but i'll mention that in a second but um i want these workshops to build bonds of fellowship that can uh create other interactions apart from agros i want a pastor who didn't know oh there's a guy 30 minutes from me Mm. who encouraged me at this workshop now and i'm gonna get coffee with him next week and have nothing to do with Agros. Yeah. I think if Agros succeeded, that eventually would be why Agros could stop as a ministry. That's how we how I'd work myself out of a job is that pastors just catch a vision for supporting one another, supporting the work of the gospel in their region, being serious and ambitious about the gospel, going to all of the little areas, little communities near them and supporting the other workers in those areas. Yeah. Um and so that's uh, I, I, 
I think that we need, I, I need to um, try to make the workshops a little bit more localized instead of having want just two of them where I pull guys from. That's a, you know, three hour radius. That's a big drive. And those guys, that means some guys are five hours apart. Yeah. Since <clears throat> Atchison was in the middle there. Yeah. So I've already been thinking, and actually I'm, I'm now planning a, a, a repeat of the Bible interpretation workshop at one of the churches on the far end of that mm. with the hope of helping them, even if they don't call it a ministry, just kind of catch this vision for let's get together with other gospel preaching churches yeah. occasionally for this kind of fellowship yeah. on our own yeah. and create our own network here yeah. so that we're not driving over here to the Agros gatherings in Northeast Kansas. Let's start one for Central Kansas. So yeah. I'd love to sh- like spread that kind of vision. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I need to do differently, I think, is make the workshops a little bit more local. We, we had about 25 guys at that workshop and that kind of maxed us out as yeah. far as like having space and being able to provide meals and stuff. So I think having a smaller, more localized focus would not only mean that guys could fellowship more, but it would also mean the guys who couldn't come um, because I was trying to work with, you know, 30 or 40 different schedules to choose a date and make it work for some guys. Yeah. If it was local and I was only working with, let's say, 10 guys' schedules, it'd be more likely that I'd get some of those guys who couldn't come. Yeah. So I think local is important. I also think more frequent. So that was another thing is this, I I was really encouraged by both of these workshops we did, but I think they would, if they're going to be more local, they should also be, there should be more of them than just two a year. Yeah. Originally when I planned it, it was kind of like, this will be the runway for future pastors. They'll come learn Bible interpretation at the beginning of the summer the second workshop will teach them how to put a sermon together and then we'll start practicing preaching in the fall. Uh-huh. Um, and now I'm starting to think of it more like uh, these just these gatherings need to happen. They, they probably need to become cl- more like the bread and butter of Agros's ministry. Yeah. This is something I want to do regularly throughout the year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if I've got enough buy-in from the other guys to do that, but yeah. I think more frequent, more local. Those are the two... Uh, main takeaways. I suppose I could add a third one. I think I always try to pack too much content into the day. Mm, yeah. Really wears us out. Yeah. And I, w- I want to make it worth it. You know, I know these are guys who are skipping time with family, skipping a Saturday in the summer. Yeah. And I want it to not just be, um, you know, a, a hangout with guys they're never going to see again. I, I yeah. want to make sure I'm serving them well and giving them an experience that's going to hopefully produce fruit through their ministry yeah for a long time but i think that mentally we're just taxed one of the one of the pastors said after the first one like yeah we're just like i know you want to get a lot in there but our attention spans are short there's only so much mental effort we can give yeah i don't know if this would work or not but i was just thinking it would be a great opportunity to have one of the pastors prepare a message that relates to whatever we're studying but it's going to give us more of like the theology behind this. So instead of, I, I've been focusing a lot on the practicals. I want it to be hands-on training stuff that, you know, anyone can um, just come and, and do it like it's a trade or something. Uh-huh. But it could be really encouraging and refreshing to have a mental break from all that work to spend, let's say, the morning working hard on it, have lunch together, and then afterward grab your coffees and sit down. And before we start any afternoon sessions 
have a 30 or 40 minute message from one of the pastors that's saying, this is what preaching is according to God's word. And so just not, not just giving us skills, but also giving us truths, encouraging us with those, correcting us with those um, so that, yeah, that we're, our, our, our main goal is to be faithful to scripture. And yeah. So maybe adding that into the workshop would be encouraging. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Those are my, the only reflections I've had so yeah. far. Yeah. And we should, we should know um, for anybody who doesn't know in kind of in preparation for this workshop, um, everybody had a book yeah. that they read. So, yeah. I mean, that's, <clears throat> and, and it wasn't a, wasn't a huge book, but, and then you, you basically went through the process that this book lays out. The, the idea of the book, what's the title? Eight hours or less. Uh-huh. Um, Writing faithful sermons faster. Okay. Right. So, <clears throat> so, you know, this guy's basically showing, okay, you're a busy pastor and, you know, how do you maximize that time that you're actually in your study preparing your sermon and you're still, you know, you're mentally, you're always thinking about the sermon throughout the week, but how do you kind of maximize, um, you know, can you get it done in eight hours? So anyway, that was kind of the idea that you had and then you, you just walked through that process. Yeah. And so um, that, that, that helped that the, we, it wasn't brand new content that we were coming to that day. It was like yeah. we had had you know several weeks to be learning this stuff and chewing on it, and then the idea was we show up on Saturday and let's put it into practice. Yeah. So, which I mean, yeah, it, it might be it might be difficult if you didn't read the book. Um, and several guys didn't. Yeah. They messaged me beforehand said couldn't couldn't get to the book, and I was fine with that. I tried to design it so that you could get away with not yeah not reading the book yeah. beforehand. Yeah. So I just find in my own experience, I'm so quick to read something and think it's really profound and, oh, this is great. And then if I never actually force myself to put it into practice, yeah. it ends up just having no practical use in my life. Yeah. It's almost like I, it was almost like it was just entertainment. Yeah. Like I just read it because intellectually it was entertaining to think yeah. about these concepts Yeah. and then never did it. Yeah. And so just kind of doubled down on the the belief that you know what this it wasn't the most profound book on preaching or but it just laid out a very practical method that you could squeeze into eight hours i knew i had an eight hour day yeah what i'm really wanting to do is just make us do it yeah and trusting that that actually teaches us a lot more especially in terms of the practical side of things teaches us a lot more than if i had lectured for eight hours yeah and i i mean i appreciated that because you know, just being in a room and you say, okay, you guys have an hour, sit down and, you know, work on this. It like, it was, it, it kept me accountable too. It's like, okay, I got to sit here and do this. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we're moving on to the next thing, which I mean, I, I got behind. So I was like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but just to be able to, for, for the first time to implement that sort of approach, um, that method of preparing a sermon, doing it in that context was really helpful to yeah. just to just ha- have that structure, have that um, direction and accountability, and so um, yeah. so yeah, I, and I appreciated one, that. I think one helpful, like a good contrast to bring up here that um, I, I I that's at least in my mind. I don't know if I'm accomplishing it, but I think that a man can be called to pastor slash elder, a church, whatever you want to call it. I think that's the same office. Um, and not have academic gifts. Mm. Not be an academically uh, like inclined person. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I've tried to make these workshops so hands-on, is 
not because, uh, yeah, just because I don't want to exclude men who are not going to want to sit and listen to eight hours of lecture mm-hmm. about why why they should preach. So yeah. as an example, I, I've really benefited from listening to some free lectures from biblicaltraining.org on how to, how to prepare a sermon. Yeah. But the first lecture talks about rhetoric from the, 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 the Greek, uh, what it's not Greek, it's Latin, uh, pathos, logos, ethos, these three elements of, um, rhetoric that you need to be aware of. And, and I've just thought like, I enjoy thinking about that stuff and it probably does like it will affect some of other things as far as preaching goes, but there are guys who will never want to think about that. will never make a connection between that and what they're actually doing when they're teaching God's word to other people. Yeah. And I don't want to exclude those guys and yeah. set up some kind of standard. Like if, unless you know these three Latin words, you can't like, what are you, tr- why are you trying to be a preacher? Yeah. I don't want anyone to feel that. And so that's another reason why I focused on trying to make things really practical mm-hmm. instead of abstract. It's cause I, I just, I fear that those men have been excluded by an extra biblical standard of academia. Yeah. And want those guys to be included, yeah. So that we have that. So, without getting on too much of a tangent here, then can you distinguish what's the difference between academia and being able to teach? Because being able to teach is a biblical qual- qualification. Right. Right. So, so how do you make that distinction? Um, I I think that being able to teach and academic is they're probably their main distinction is who their audience is and who they have to serve with what they're doing. Um, there are things that an academic institution must do in order to retain their uh, academic credentials. I don't know if it's um, it, what governing body they have to appeal to, but there's a certain number of pages you have to read. There's a way that you have to be graded. It has to be objectively graded in such a way that it's, you know, it, it has to be a paper or a standardized test, those kind of things. Um, it also means in academia, you have to be able to um, interact with the what the rest of the academic world is doing. So one thing that I felt really frustrated by in my Old Testament class in seminary was I spent a lot of time learning how to argue against a liberal interpretation of the first five books of the Bible mm. and very little about the theology that I should be pulling out of the first five books. Mm. And so it's that you just learn how to write, you know, a 15 page paper arguing against something called the documentary hypothesis because your audience is the academic world and there are standards imposed on that world that you're serving and interacting with. And I don't even mean that there aren't Christians called to do that. I'm trying to say not all pastors are called to do that because a pastor's audience is what first Peter says, shepherd the flock that's among you. Yeah. And being able to teach them, I think, is very different. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't require papers. In fact, I don't know a lot of church members who would write a paper if a pastor wrote a twenty-page paper on a topic. Not a lot of them would read it. Yeah, care to read it. Yeah, that's it. Wouldn't serve them. Right. But if he's getting involved in their life, I think that being able to teach also Titus is helpful because he says not only able to teach but able to refute false doctrine. That's another helpful skill set to think of for someone who's called to be a pastor yeah it it does mean that you can think clearly and you know that you can communicate clearly yeah um, and recognize falsehood and attack it those are yeah. 
those are all important. So I'm not trying to say, um, I'm not trying to water down the standard. I'm just trying to say the people you're called to serve as a pastor is the flock that's among you. And so being able to teach them has a lot more to do with the places in their life where they're not actually trusting Christ. Yeah. Where they're, they they might have intellectual doubts and skepticism, and so you need to be sensitive to that and teach the truth to them. But, um, you know, I think that I've I don't know if I've said it on our podcast, but I know I've said to you. I think the reason why Paul says a, uh, an elder, a man who's qualified to be an elder, has to manage his own home well, mm-hmm. is because that's a model for what he'll do in the household of God. Yeah. Meaning the way a father teaches and instructs his children is the the model of an elder instructing his church yeah that it's not i I don't do a lot of intellectual stuff with my daughters eventually i might and if if the need arises i want to try to rise to that challenge as much as much as possible right but i think academia forces a lot of pastors to learn to serve a community yeah and I think even give them an appetite to serve that community that they might not have had. Make them want to crave to be in a world that feels like it matters more mm-hmm. and neglect this smaller, simpler community of just the sheep that are among you, the yeah. sins that they're facing, yeah. the discouragements they're facing, the trials they're going through. Shepherd them through those. I think that's, the in my mind right now, that's the main distinction between being able to teach and being able to teach academically is just what community are you serving yeah yeah good so what about you what do you think went uh help me here (laughs) what what went well at the workshop yeah well actually uh, some of the things that you said i i totally agree with the i think the first thing that struck me was like you said the the variety of people that was that was there yeah um which it was really fun for me because there were a handful of people there that i knew but I, I was connected to them from all sorts of different um, all sorts of different relationships. And so, you know, to see, yeah, there were a couple guys there from my church, but then there was a guy there that I met, you know, through um, campus ministry. And then there was, um, you know, uh, one of my friend's dads that I worked for for a little bit was there. Um, one of your relatives was there that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, Oh yeah, and then a, a friend from um, childhood, from, yeah, <laughs> camp from right? childhood, yep. and then he he moved out here, so he he grew up in Nebraska too, and then um, he's yeah he's out in this area too now. So just the the variety of people that I saw there, and, and just some other pastors that I had met, you know, gone to conferences with them, or even gone to like Bible retreats that you know. So I I, I might see them once or twice a year, but to see them there. Um, at your workshop was really fun. So that was, that was cool for me because it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, just going to something that's happening at my church and I just see people from my church. Um, there was, there was just a variety of people. And, and like you said, um, yeah, meeting, meeting somebody who, yeah, they drove three hours to be here and getting to sit down and and talk with them. That was really fun. Um, um, yeah, so I loved that aspect. Um, and, and, and yeah, like, guys wearing you know pastors wearing cowboy boots and blue jeans you know it was great like um diverse group of guys and i think just to follow up on that it's i think encouraging to our faith like helps helps us 
treasure the the gospel and feel zeal for the spread of the gospel when you see such a variety of men making sacrifices for yeah. it that just the fact that they made those sacrifices right. i think already encouraged me to keep yeah caring about yeah the spread of the gospel yeah and and you mentioned before and i think i even texted you after after the workshop i i appreciated that we stopped and we we did pray you you had you know all the churches in missouri um that were represented there just give okay what's one way we can be praying for your church and we 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 wrote all those things down and then you know one person prayed for each church in the room and then we did you know the kansas churches a little later and i i really did like that because it it gave me context for you know what's going on with the people sitting in this room to hear oh this you know this church is looking for a pastor this church um you know, they, uh, or, or one guy, he's, you know, being the interim pastor for a little bit. And so just to hear of the needs, um, it, it just kind of put, yeah, it, it put more context just, just to the people that we're, we're in the room with. And so, um, yeah. I, I appreciated that. Um, man, what was the, what was the other thing? Um, hmm, I don't remember, but no, I, I loved it. I loved the, I love the content. I love that we could, um, work through it together and just just being able to fellowship with all the people like you said they've made the sacrifice but the reason they make the sacrifice they made the sacrifice to be there was they value the gospel mm -hmm. they want to see Christ exalted yeah. they want to see their congregations built up and, and, and just to know okay all of these men care about the gospel yeah like that and and we all have a hunger for the word like we're here digging into scripture together mm -hmm. um that was that was just a really sweet thing so yeah i was i was encouraged by it um i i'm i'm just confident that a lot of people were really encouraged to be there and you know just you can just feel like am i the only one out here doing yeah, right doing this right and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> right. Yep. Which um, is one of the reasons I think the prayer time is helpful is just because you then start to hear like, oh, wow, there are other people struggling too. It's not just my yeah. church that struggles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there are bigger struggles around, you know. Yeah. But I think it's just, yeah, makes you feel less isolated and alone, which yeah. it means you're going to uh, move to a small town and pastor a church with me sometime soon, aren't you? Isn't that, that would be the success of this workshop <laughs> and this whole podcast, actually, if I finally just got Will Anderson. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What about anything you would do? I, I shouldn't even say you would do differently because I don't want to put pressure on you to uh, cr criticize me. More just like, what are some things? Oh, you I have, I have no problem criticizing okay, you. Okay, do it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Then do it. If you if you can, if you've got the guts to criticize me, do that. If not, let me think of a softer way to say, what's some constructive feedback? What were some things you felt like were too costly or were missing from the workshop that would be sweet to have in another workshop? Um, well, it's – I don't know what it would be like if, if I hadn't read the book. Um, but you, you gave kind of like a, a brief explanation of, okay – we're going to move on to, um, we're going to talk about, I'm trying to think of an example. We're going to get into crafting the introduction. And so here are some examples of the introduction. Like to me, I, I had read the book, so I was familiar with what we were going to do. 
and then it, it seemed like you had to rush to get through and explain how to craft an introduction. And so it just felt like a lot of information in that mm-hmm. moment. And so I don't know if there, I don't know if there's a way to, you know, be make it as simplified as possible without without losing out on um, actually explaining what we're doing here. Because mm-hmm. if you don't really know what you're doing, and it's like, okay, make an introduction, and somebody's like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with the next yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if may, maybe it's something where maybe some I don't I don't know. Since you have a variety of people in the room, you have experienced preachers in there who've been, you know, pastoring churches for 10 years. And then you have some people who've never written a sermon. They've never preached a sermon. They're, you know, kind of just starting out, trying to figure out, do I want to go into ministry? Things like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe you have a table for them where maybe that's a table that you sit at, Joe, and you explain, okay... Um, here's kind of how you walk through an yeah, introduction. Maybe, yeah. maybe having like a, um, I don't know, maybe a time where you can kind of walk walk them through. I just kind of think of like when, um, you know, as the facilitator, you would be able to have more freedom to walk around and just stop by a table even and say, hey, you guys getting stuck with anything? Mm-hmm. Um, is anything we can help you with? I don't know. I'm I'm thinking out loud at this point. Yeah. But, what do you think I've been doing this whole th- whole podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that that is this. Yes. What do you think I've been doing for the podcast. last uh, almost thirty years? <laughs> That's all I do. Think out loud. Think out loud. Um, no, it, it was good though. But yeah, it, it felt like a lot of information. And then I just I got behind. Like I'm supposed to be, you know, working on other aspects, um, like the trying to be like write the body of the sermon and yeah. I'm still working on, you know, the introduction. Yeah. I'm still trying to frame what my, you know, the main the main big idea is for the sermon. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that that's just on me. But. Well, the main reason I'm comfortable with that is because I want everybody to be exposed to what they actually need to do because mm. if at the very least they learn this is something I'm not good at, yeah. then they'll know to focus on that in their own personal study afterward. Yeah. And I would I would be happy to sacrifice training time for fellowship or worship or prayer time which is kind of what i think especially in the the example you gave which was a great one i really sacrificed a chunk out of how to introduce a sermon so that we could spend time praying yeah since that's my i i still feel like that's kind of a a driving vision for these workshops is building that fellowship through carrying one another's burdens in prayer yeah absolutely and so i so long as we like at least had 20 minutes to be like, oh, this is really hard. I can't write anything down. <laughs> yeah. Even that, like I feel like the the mind turning those wheels yeah. is kind of the work that needs to happen that yeah. doesn't happen when you just read a book. You're right. reading you're like, oh, yeah, that all makes sense. Sounds so easy. <laughs> and then for 20 minutes, grind the right. gears and find right. out, ah, this is not so easy. I need to go back to the book and look for what was yeah. he actually saying I do here. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I – I, I did appreciate the fellowship um, a lot, so yeah, I wouldn't. I would still keep that a priority. Um, yeah, no, it was good though. Cool. Does it train and support pastors of small towns in northeast Kansas and northwest Missouri? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so that's why Agros exists. Yeah, so it does. I was, I was really encouraged by it. Yeah, and if anybody who came is listening, I just I'm really thankful again that yep. you came sacrifices you guys made to be there encouraged my faith yep yep mine too well 
Is that wrap it up for this podcast? Yeah. Do you have any house cleaning to do? Um, yes, I'm going to go home and clean my house <laughs> right after this. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.